Amen, and thank you so much for that worship and the privilege of being here at Arendelle Bible Chapel, and what an honor. I want to say a special thank you to Nick for the invitation to come and uh, just share with you uh, today. Um, as Nick mentioned, I, I was at Emmanuel uh, in Barrie for 23 and a half years, and just uh, when before the pandemic started, I joined and became the regional director of Feb Central. And uh, Feb Central is one of the regions of the fellowship. We have a national church movement that stretches from coast to coast, uh, over 500 churches. And one of those regions is right in the middle in Ontario. And uh, just over 280 of our Feb churches are in this region, as well as some Anglophone churches in Quebec. And so it's my privilege to lead the team that serves those churches to help them thrive on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we do that through three central ways. We do that through helping coming alongside our churches to plant churches. We do that through assisting them in developing their leadership, leadership development. And we do that through church health, helping our churches to be spiritually, theologically, morally healthy so that they can be on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's our privilege. Uh, if you think of us, pray for us. We would really appreciate it. As you know, these have been challenging days. Uh, these last uh, 18, 19 months have been incredible uh, time for the Church of Jesus Christ. And so coming alongside our churches and supporting them through this time has been so, so important. And so appreciate, as you think of us, pray for us. And we would, uh, that would mean a lot to us. So I think you would agree with me that life is a beautiful gift from God, is it not? You want to do a little exercise with me? I know you got your masks on, but take a deep breath in and then let that out. That is a gift from God. You know, the Bible says in Acts 17 that life, breath, and everything else comes from God. Every good gift comes from my ability to be here in front of you today is only by the grace and kindness of God. Think about it. Every gift comes from above, right, James says? And think of it. On top of all of that, God gives us Jesus Christ himself, the gift of himself in his son. What an incredibly gracious, amazing God. Life is a beautiful gift from God. And yet, as we have learned in the last 19 months, months I would hope you would agree with me, this gift called life that we just breathe in and out and all of that is a very fragile gift, isn't it? It's a very fragile gift, beautiful gift from the Lord, but also a fragile, easily broken gift. And so many today, through this pandemic, have felt overwhelmed, incredibly vulnerable. Maybe you're feeling vulnerable coming into this place this morning, not just from the pandemic, but maybe personal circumstances in the context of your life. And now more than ever before, I think we're realizing just how small we are, right? How much we don't know. If COVID should have done anything for us, it should have humbled us all, should have made us see how much we need God, right? How much we need him, how much we don't know, how little we are in control, and the powerful temptation in the midst of the circumstances of life like what we've been going through and feeling overwhelmed or maybe some personal circumstances that you're going through and feeling overwhelmed. The temptation in all of that is to respond with fear and anxiety instead of with a trust in the Lord 
to find our refuge and strength in him, our peace in him in the midst of the storm. Do you remember the words of Jesus when he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's John chapter 14. And then just a couple of chapters later, Jesus said, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Good news. Jesus has been victorious. Friends, in the midst of all we've been going through, in the midst of whatever you're facing right now, there is good news. Jesus gives us what this world can't give us. Jesus gives us peace with God, peace with one another, and peace even within yourself. And through our victorious Savior and Lord, you can enjoy, and I can enjoy, we can all enjoy a true, deep, lasting, eternal peace from God that even the the most difficult circumstances of life can't take from us. But I don't automatically, as a follower of Jesus, experience this. God actually calls us to understand what this peace is in his son. He he calls us to live in that peace, let the peace of Christ really rule in our hearts, and finally, to give it away to others, to share that peace with one another. If I can say it this way, three simple words, to see it, to really see it with spiritual eyes, to savor it, to partake of it, to drink it in, to experience it, and then to share it. See it, savor it, and just share it with others. How do we do that, though? How do we take hold of the peace of God in Jesus Christ? That's what our text is about this morning from Philippians chapter 4. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to please stand with me, and I'll read, and you can follow along. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV and uh, reading Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Then we'll pray together, and we'll launch into God's Word together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, your greatest gift, the gift of your very self, the fullness of who you are, of your truth, of your righteousness, of your love, of your mercy. And Father, thank you for the peace that only he can give, not like this world gives, but an eternal peace that can anchor us in the storms of life and in the roller coaster ride of life. And so we pray that we would see that more clearly and understand it more clearly this morning. Then, Lord, help us 
to live in it more intentionally today. Father, as we leave this place, may we truly savor the peace that only Jesus gives. And then can we share that? Help us to share that with those you've brought into our lives. May you be glorified. May you have the freedom that you deserve to have in each one of our lives this morning. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is our teacher today. And we pray this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So the Apostle Paul, it's always important to get context when we're studying God's Word. And here in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is ending his letter to the Philippian believers with a series of practical commands uh, to how to grow deeper spiritually in their life with Christ. And these believers were going through some, some very difficult circumstances. If you were to read the whole book of Philippians, you would see they were facing persecution. Chapter 1, chapter 3 uh, tells us that they were suffering for the cause of the gospel. We know from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that they were going through financial hardship. They were facing, Paul talks about uh, the Philippian church and what it was facing economically. And then we know from chapter 4, just even the very beginning verses, and in chapter 2, they were facing an issue of disunity in the context of their church as well, fractured relationships. In addition to all of this, Paul, their spiritual father, was in prison. And they were feeling very much out of control, very much overwhelmed. And with a pastor's heart, the Apostle Paul tells them, and us, how we can deal with all these things that are beyond us, beyond our power to control, the stress of life, and how we can let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, even in this life that is sometimes roller coaster like right? And he gives them really four important habits, four important steps that will lead them to experience more deeply, the peace of Jesus Christ and that only Jesus can give. We'll be looking at these four things, looking up in faith, reaching out in love, lifting up in prayer, and drinking in God's word. And we'll look at each one of these. So let's look at the first one. The first thing he says is keep looking up in faith. Notice the text says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice Paul's saying the only way these Christians could find peace, joy, and thankfulness in this life is to focus on God rather than on their circumstances. Don't focus on your circumstances. Focus on the God who is over your circumstances. The key to your life is not where you are, but who you are in Jesus Christ. It isn't what happens to us fundamentally, but how through the power of Christ, as we'll see We respond to it. The only way you and I can be contented in our lives is when we focus on the Lord, not on everything else. Why is that? Because the Lord doesn't change. Everything else does. Have you noticed that in the context of your life? And this is why the Apostle Paul says rejoice always. Because what is the command? It's rejoice always. Not in your circumstances, but rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is the unchanging one. Well, our circumstances are constantly changing. One day it's good, another day it's not so good, and another day it's just downright ugly, right? We don't know what's coming around the next corner, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Good news. If I anchor in Jesus, I can have a consistent response. 
to the very changing environment in which I find myself. And so the Apostle Paul says here, he says, rejoice in the Lord. He isn't saying, you know, kind of just be optimistic, just be a glass half full person instead of a glass half empty person. That's not his point. He's saying, choose a perspective of faith, that your confidence is not in the fragile, fleeting, and fractured circumstances of this life, but your confidence is in what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do one day in the context of your life. Knowing that God won't waste anything in my life, but he'll use everything to give me the greatest good of being like his son, which is eternal. Most people in the West are trying to bring peace to their lives by creating just the right environment, right? If I could just get this set of circumstances in my life, this this job, this spouse, this whatever it is, and as a result... We try to run around and control everything in the context of the West. Because I've got to get these set of circumstances in order to be happy, in order to have peace, in order to find rest. I've got to create this environment. So I run around trying as much as I can to perform, to do this and that and control this and control that. But it doesn't take long to see that many things in our lives are beyond our puny little capacities, right? We all have aspects of our life where you go, I've tried to be responsible there. I've tried to do the right thing, but it doesn't really matter. It's, life is taking a turn. Uh, I'm going in a valley here that I can't control. If, me- if circumstances are my measurement, I'll never experience peace. But God in Christ gives us a way to experience a stable peace, a stable contentment in a very unstable world. In a beautiful but broken world. Have you noticed that? It is beautiful, but it's broken. But here's the good news. There's only one thing that is beautiful and unbroken, and it's Jesus. And if my life is attached to his, I cannot live, lose. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying in the first chapter of this book when he says to live is Christ, to die is gain. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I win in the context of life because it's more of Jesus. And I win again when I leave this life because it's even more of Jesus. Wow, I cannot lose. This is incredible. Just a few verses later in this text, Look at Philippians 4, you know the well-known verses, verse 12 and 13, and I'm reading here from the New International Version, it says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, now some people have taken these verses, and they've taking them out of their context, they say, well, you know, if you have something you want in your life, through the power of Jesus Christ, you can get it. You know, if you want a bigger house, I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. You want a better job? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But that's actually the opposite of what Paul means here in this passage. Notice what he says. He says, I've known what it is to be down in the valley of life, and I know what it is to be on the mountaintop of life. But here's what I've learned. 
in that roller coaster ride of inconsistency and the good, the bad, and the ugly? I've noticed that when I can't change my circumstances through the power of the living Christ, I can have a consistent response to that roller coaster ride. I can find peace, contentment, joy that is stable beyond the shifting sands of life. That is great news. But it can only come through Christ. And through Christ, friends, we can change our attitude, our response to what we cannot change. And this is the testimony of the early believers again and again and again. We can rejoice because we know that what is of ultimate worth can't be taken from us, Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate me from God's love in his son, Paul said in Romans 8. In fact, by faith, we can even be confident and know that our sovereign God mysteriously takes our pain and the effects of a fallen world to deepen our experience of Christ in our lives. That's good news. This is what Paul was getting at when he said, rejoice, and again I will say rejoice in the Lord. God is able to make everything a servant to lead us to become more like his son. And so that means because of that truth that in every circumstance I can rejoice. I hope that's your, where your, your, your heart is today. God, I may not like what I'm going through right now, but I'm going to get my eyes. I'm going to look up in faith to the Lord, and I'm going to keep my eyes fixed there, and I'm going to know I'm rock, solid, secure in Him, and so I can rejoice no matter what today. Look up in faith. That's the first one. Here's the second one. The second step, if you will, to experiencing the peace of Christ in our hearts and lives Paul says, keep reaching out in love. Look up in faith, reach out in love. And then he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Or as the NIV puts it, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. And so he says here, the way again to find peace, to find joy, is not by focusing on it, but by focusing on doing God's will, especially I would argue in this text, by loving others. The New American Standard Bible, I think, captures uh, through its translation the real sense of what Paul is getting at here. He's not just talking about being gentle or being nice, being reasonable. He's, uh, it literally says, let your forbearing spirit be known to all people or all men. In other words, there's a context of gentleness here or, or a reasonableness, if you will, a way of treating others in the face of their hostility, in the face of hurt. Demonstrate humility, kindness, patience, and mercy in the midst of a very often hostile world. Don't put your priority on your rights don't choose to react in retaliation when others hurt you, but rather commit yourself to be like your God has been to you. Be gentle and forgiving and graciously love in a world that is self-centered and selfish and often angry. One of the most, I think you would agree with me, one of the most frequent causes of stress 
and anxiety in our lives comes from what? Being hurt by others. My guess is if I just throw that out to you and say, think for a moment of someone who has hurt you. (laughs) And of course we know it hurts even more the closer they are to us, right? So, So it's an amazing thing that those who we live most intimately with, whether it's a spouse or a family member or a friend or a brother and sister in Christ, we can be hurt by those who we're closest to. It hurts more from them than just a complete stranger. Pretty much every one of us, if I asked you to think of someone who has hurt you, you you could think of a name, you could see a face. And the temptation for all of us is to feed this cycle of hurt and selfishness by reacting in the exact same way we've been treated. But that wouldn't be the way of the gospel. That wouldn't be the way God has treated us. Because if God just gave us justice, none of us would be here, right? None of, we would all be under his just judgment, but he has poured out his mercy, his kindness, his grace. He has not reacted to us. In fact, he has loved us in the face, the Bible says. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. Isn't that incredible? And he calls us to do the same for others. To share that love that he has shown you and me. And when people see God's peace powerfully working, operating in us, it's our greatest impact for witness. Truth is, we can't change the world. But our greatest opportunity, would you not agree, to influence others around us is by God's grace first changing me. And when people see God's grace operating and changing me, and I share that with them, that has powerful impact. And we become peacemakers rather than escalators. You know what I'm talking about, escalation, right? You've seen that in a relationship. One starts here and the other one gets in, and then boom, 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 boom. Escalation is easy. It's our default position as human beings. Being self-centered and being reactive and retaliating and getting revenge, that's normal human behavior. Blessing those who hurt you and curse you, that's Jesus-like behavior. As Jesus hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. And he didn't just say it once. He said it repeatedly. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Friends, don't get me wrong. Paul isn't saying be a doormat here. In fact, he's saying have the courage of faith to believe that God, not humans, have the final word. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is in this room and he's the most important person in this room. And the Lord is coming again to give his justice He is going to reward the right and he is going to punish the wrong. You can trust that our God is a perfect judge and he will vindicate you. You don't have to vindicate yourself. You don't have to become the general manager of the universe and take God's job and say, I'm going to, you don't have the capacities to do that. You can't be the judge. You don't know everything. You don't have all power. And so often, friends, we know just about enough to make us dangerous. And yet we can walk around, can't we? 
being the final assessors of others around us. You know, one of the great things that's made me very, very sad in the context of COVID is to see how many believers have been walking around judging one another, being the final assessors. I know everything there is to know about COVID. No, you don't. None of us know. That little microscopic virus doesn't fit in a tidy way into any of our narratives. And just about the time you think you've fully comprehended and understand it, you'll get some new information. They'll just throw your, your little tight box into, blow it up. None of us knows. Only God knows. That's why it's so important to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because all things COVID are fragile and fleeting and fractured. But Jesus alone is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at Jesus. Fixate on Jesus. Don't go down that rabbit hole of being fixated on all things COVID. You won't find peace there. You'll find angst and frustration. Have you sensed that from a lot of believers? God, forgive us. Why would we not trust you, God? You are the perfect judge and assessors. Forgive me for judging my brother and sister's motives on all these things. Instead, help me to be your intentional tool of peace, bringing your light of love into the darkness of this world, defeating evil by your good, by your mercy. God, help me not to retaliate and fuel the breakdown of relationship, but help me to truly be a peacemaker in the midst of an often hostile world. Paul gives a third step challenge that will help us access God's peace and joy in his son. He says that we need to keep lifting up in prayer. Look at verse 6 and 7 again and what he says here. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, so important, with thanksgiving in all things, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, not only look up in faith and reach out in love, but lift up in prayer. We need to lift up our burdens to a God who's more than able to handle what we cannot handle on our own. In light of who God is, we shouldn't be anxious about the past, about the present, or the future. But rather through prayer, we should present our needs to God with this thankful heart, recognizing God owes me nothing. He absolutely owes me only his justice and his judgment, and he gives me life, breath, everything else, and Jesus on top of that. So why worry when he's given me his greatest gift? Friends, when we worry, we betray our lack of confidence in the reality of God's protection and provision. And the discipline of prayer really reveals just the opposite. It's the recognition that everything about my life is because of his grace. And I'm utterly dependent on him. In our world, people try different things to cope with the stress and anxiety of life. Do they not? They try to distract themselves away from the brokenness, that beauty yet broken piece of life. And we chase all kinds of 
distractions and stimulations and amusements. Or, or we take addictive substances to numb ourselves from the pain that's there. Or, or we become involved in obsessive behaviors and actions. We try to numb ourselves to the reality of our pain. This is what our world does. But God wants us to learn a healthy way to deal with the truth that life is both beautiful yet broken. He says there's no way you're going to find peace and joy by turning to a pill or by turning to a bottle or by turning to lust or to abusing people or to consuming stuff or to amusing yourself to death or even through religious rituals. You're never going to find it through religion. The only way you'll be able to handle the overwhelming aspects of this fallen world is to be real, authentic, honest about the brokenness and then let God be God of that brokenness. And we do that through prayer. Everything about prayer is this invitation for God to manifest his presence and his power and his grace in our lives. We do this by releasing these cares of this life to a God who is more than able to handle it, right? And we acknowledge we don't have any right to a particular mix of circumstances. So we trust him. We, we trust God is big enough, wise enough, and powerful enough to know what we can and cannot handle. Here's the thing. There are really two ways that God reveals his glory in our prayer lives. And I think he always answers a, a genuine, heartfelt prayer. Here are the two ways he manifests his goodness and his greatness and his glory. He can change your circumstances through his providence, miraculously, supernaturally, by doing a miracle. He can do and change your circumstances. Or he can change you to handle the circumstances that he has not changed. Those are the two ways that God manifests his goodness and greatness in our lives. Either he changes the circumstance or he changes me to handle the unchanged circumstance. Now, stay with me. Are you still tracking with me? Because I have a question for you. Which is the greater manifestation of his goodness and greatness? Think about it for a moment. It is the second one. Why do I say that? Because any manifestation of the goodness and greatness of God that changes your circumstance is but a temporary reprieve from a beautiful but broken world. Think with me. Even Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, had to die again. Isn't that an amazing thought? If Jesus didn't come back again, Lazarus had to die again. It was but temporary reprieve. But the second one, where God changes me to be more like his son, to handle the circumstance he has not changed, friends, that is forever. That shaping into the likeness of God's son is a forever manifestation of his goodness and greatness and glory. And so that's why God says, I will use all things. I will cause all things to work together for good. Not that all things are good, but I won't waste anything to move you to conform to the likeness of my son. And in doing that, you cannot lose. 
because that stuff is forever. Now, let's be honest. We all would love God to change the circumstances and have that temporary reprieve. But we can trust him through prayer. No, no matter whether he changes that circumstance or not, in Jesus Christ, I cannot lose. That's good news, friends. Again, why we can rejoice. Notice this promise attached to this command, the peace of God, verse 7, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds. The promise isn't the disappearance of the struggle, but the reality of God's presence and peace in the midst of it. A peace and rest that far surpasses human understanding. It's just, it's not like Jesus said, it's not of this world. It's an eternal thing. Nothing this world can give you. This world can't give you this kind of peace. And so God is asking us, if you will, kind of take that stuff in your life that feels overwhelming, that you're carrying around like a backpack burden full of rocks. Take it off. Give it to God. Put it in a garbage bag. Give it to God. And then take his gift of peace that passes all human understanding. In fact, let me, let me challenge you, because everybody in this room today has something, some area that's feeling a bit overwhelming. And, and it's, it's tempting, right, to carry it around with you, carry the burden, think about it all the time, oh, if only this... Oh, it's heavy, it's heavy. I feel overwhelmed. But, and God is saying, take that. Put it in that garbage bag. And then envision him giving you this beautifully wrapped gift of his eternal peace in his son. And you unwrap it. And it brings a rest to your soul, even in the chaos of the storm. He is your refuge and very present help in trouble, Psalm 46. Therefore, you do not need to fear even if the earth is removed and drops into the sea. Even in the most cataclysmic event happens in the world, you don't have to fear. Why? Because God is your refuge in his son. Great news. Do you see it, friends? Genuine prayer is a supernatural antibody that kills off the disease of fear and worry. Does that sound familiar? We need antibodies, but we need the right eternal antibodies. The antibodies that only Jesus can give kills off the disease of fear and worry no matter what. Paul gives one final way to deal with the vulnerability and the instability of life. And he says we have to keep drinking in the word. Notice the text of scripture, verse 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Lift up, look up in faith, right? Right? Then we want to reach out in love. We want to lift up in prayer and drink in the word of God. The point here is to focus ourselves on the precepts, principles, and promises of God himself in his son. 
Replace that diet of pop and junk food of your culture with the milk and the meat of God's truth, right? I guarantee you, if you spend your life on screen time and social media and podcasts and TV and computer and all that, you're, you're not going to find peace there. You're going to find greater angst and frustration. But if you go deeper into God's truth, deeper into His Word, and you saturate yourself, right? Psalm 1, blessed are those who delight and meditate in God's Word. That's the place of true peace, joy, contentment. And Paul gives a list of virtues here that I don't believe are meant to be exhaustive. In fact, they're just illustrative. He's not trying to give us an exhaustive list. He's just saying the last two verses in verse 8, I think, point us in this direction. He says, whatever has excellence, whatever is worthy of praise to God, whatever has moral, spiritual excellence, whatever is pleasing to God, which is revealed in his truth, these are the things we should feed our souls upon, feed our mind upon. I would suggest to you these things could just as easily be a description of Christ. Notice that? What is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable. It's kind of like when Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace. And what is that a description of? It's a description of our Savior and Lord, right? The fruit of the Spirit is is Christ's likeness. And here Paul is saying, think on the beautiful treasure and all that Jesus provides for us from God. Dwell on that. Fixate on that. Meditate on the beauty and treasure of Jesus Christ through the word of God. And of course, the goal is not merely right thinking. Notice the text says it's about the life of Christ being shaped in ours. Whatever you've learned or received or heard or seen in me, he says, practice these things. Practice these things. We're looking for the life of Christ to be shaped in our lives. We're looking for transformation. This is a thinking process that leads to changed lives as we allow the truth of God to dwell deeply within us. It will change us by God's Spirit. If we feed upon and we live out the reality of God's truth, notice what the text says, and the peace of uh, God of peace will be with you. We will again possess this deep-seated rest and peace from God. You know, many people assume that anxiety is the result of too much thinking. But in reality, the Bible would say it's the result of too little thinking in the right direction. Our world thinks of meditation as emptying your mind and your soul and stop thinking about anything. The Bible, when it talks about meditation, it's talking about filling your mind and your heart and your soul with the things of God. Dwell on God's, let God's voice shape your soul and be changed from the inside out by that. I think we've all felt overwhelmed at some level by what is going on in this crazy world, right? We don't know what the future holds exactly, but we do know the one who holds the future. At some point, some of you here have, or you're feeling it right now, the waves of life sort of breaking over your head. And you're feeling those emotions of anxiety rise up, of restlessness, 
even of hopelessness. And God says to each one of us, he says the way to deal with this is to see the beauty and treasure of the peace that Jesus gives, to drink it in, to savor it, and then to share that with each other. How do we do that? How do we do that? Looking up in faith, rejoicing in all that the Lord is, right? Reaching out in love, sharing the love and the grace of Christ with each other, lifting up in prayer, and drinking in the word of God. May God help us to do that through the power of the living Christ. Father, thank you for your amazing love for us in your Son. And we acknowledge, oh God, we don't fully understand or grasp the depth of your love. We want to know it deeper. Help us, Lord, to see the beauty and the treasure of your greatest gift. You have given us many good gifts, life, breath, and everything else. But we know that the greatest gift is the gift of the fullness of yourself in your son, the very gift of yourself to redeem us, to not only forgive us, but to transform us from the inside out to be all that you created us to be. You want us to experience your peace, your eternal, lasting peace. Help us by your grace to see all that you've provided for us in your son, then to savor that, and then to truly share that with one another. We pray this in Jesus' name.